Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of Two Geeks and One Noob, uh, where we gather friends of similar interests and maybe not so similar and discuss, joke, learn more about, and generally have fun with geek culture. What are we talking about today, guys? We are discussing Book of Boba Fett. Yay. Boba! <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, you excited there, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm getting excited about the show. It's it's one of those shows. Sorry about the dog. <laughs> it's one of those shows again. One of those Disney Plus shows where the first few episodes have not really hooked me yet, but I'm waiting for that moment. I think a lot of people were going into Book of Boba Fett feeling like it was going to have a very similar approach as the mandalorian yeah. and they have gone very different route even for just star wars and disney and oh, as yeah. it is oh yeah let alone with the mandalorian stuff so i think this one i can see first... where some people are like a little slower to get on and and i will admit th- episode three is pretty divisive <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> yes be real. it was the vespa crew ain't exactly intimidating no. <laughs> never are <laughs> no maybe they should call it moss vespa Oh, <laughs> that's that is one thing that I will note though is this is I think this is the first Star Wars series outside of the the original Christmas special where it's intentionally the bad guy that they're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um. Yes, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's been interesting because I can see why a lot of people are not quite as hooked on it because it is a very slow burn. Oh yeah, and they they which they've done intentionally so, and I personally like it because we're getting this idea of like who boba is and kind of seeing him trying to be different than he was and he's said a few different times it's like we don't have to work for idiots that are just going to betray us at their first convenience we can be our own people and do our own thing and it's like well it doesn't make sense at the same time you see him actually putting forth this genuine effort so right the other thing i'll say say about it is it, i've since the first trailer dropped that was more than just the after credits scene in season two of mandalorian I was stating, okay, this is already getting uh, setting off some really strong Godfather Part Two vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, frankly, I'm all there for it. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what they've been doing. Just and they've even mentioned him building the the crime family. Yeah, like that's been the whole like focus of this show. So it's like, yeah, it's a slow burn, but it's an intentional slow burn. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it's. Uh, I know we talked about that before outside of show. Where you were talking about the Godfather thing, and it was just like, I I personally have never seen the Godfather show or movies, so I don't know that so much. But I do understand the idea of like the the crime bo- crime boss that's kind of b- building his his family, quote unquote. Yep. And um, so in the show, you can definitely see that in um, mm-hmm. and we've seen ways. bits and pieces of Boba being that like brutal person. Mm-hmm. that he was before like with some of his fights like with the episode with the train like the way he was fighting and helping train the uh tuscans to get ready for that assault on the train and then as well as the um <clears throat> him fighting within um when black chrysanthemum showed up and just we're seeing those moments of brutality but it's like he's still trying to refrain himself mm-hmm. and i think we're going to see something within the next few episodes that ends up the, that ends the season where either someone betrays him or he just has no choice but to be that brutal person that he's always been and we're going to start to see that like oh no this this dude's scary my there's money's on fennec i don't mm. think fennec is going to betray him because there's 
she's she chose to follow him. It wasn't like she was in a position where she had to follow him. She she helped him with the one mission, and then she was like, "Cool, where are we going now?" True. And so, like, I don't think it'll end up being Fennec. If anything, maybe I could see something with either the Vespa crew, or um, if he brings in and hires more guns to help him with this upcoming fight, potentially one of those people betrays him, is my guess. Could be. Or it could even be with what we saw in the last episode, the other crime syndicates saying that they're going to stay neutral and then end up betraying him. That I can almost guarantee is going to happen. But the reason why I'm saying my, my money's on Fennec, what makes for a more explosive end than... The number one, oh, I trusted this person. The most clear cut turns. It it's definitely a possibility. The only the reason I don't think is because they've been very intentional with the way that they've built things in the shows so far, both Mandalorian and Boba Fett. True. And they've done nothing to plant the seeds of her betraying them. If anything, we could potentially see the Gamorian guards turn on him. Because she even said in the beginning, is like, Are you sure this is a good idea? Like we don't know where their loyalties lie. And so we could end up seeing either them betraying him or him like letting Chris Anton free to go on a job, potentially coming back to bite him in the butt. And like, there's a few different options. I feel like if we were going to get something with Fennec betraying him, there would be more of a build to it. And it just doesn't feel like that's been there so far. True. Yeah. Though you could argue that her questioning him constantly of like, are you sure that's a good idea? Or wait, why are we doing this? Why are we here? That could she's, be the build to it. She's questioned him, but not in a, like, I can't believe you made that decision kind of question. Like, more so, like, are you sure this is the decision you want to make? Whereas if we look at, like, other movies and stuff, there's, like, anytime we've had someone question the main character, it's always been more of in a confrontational way. And she hasn't been confrontational with those questions. True. Yeah, she's been more, like... uh Giving him the word of caution, but with an almost an encouraging, like you make note the, you make the call, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's kind of like that that second in command type person that is like they're got each other's backs, but they're also going to call you on your crap if they think you're making a bad decision. Mm, yes, but I will still argue that they've they've been doing a decent job of well, yes. On the front, a lot of what they're doing in Book of Boba and to an extent Mandalorian was very um, was very tropey. Mm-hmm. However, more so with Book of Boba than Mandalorian, they've been doing their best to call out the tropes and make fun of them. Yeah, uh, through storytelling, which again points me back to I still think Fennec is a good candidate for a betrayal. Here, my thinking is if we see a Fennec betrayal, it's going to be season two. Like, maybe this big climactic fight that happens at the end of season one that they're building towards, either they lose a lot more people than they predicted, or she just doesn't like the way that he handles some things post-fight and just decides, like, you know what, maybe this isn't where I want to be anymore, yeah. and they're going to start building it to that. Just I don't see it in this current season just because of the way things are being built. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I know anything that I don't know, but... If we see a betrayal, I'm guessing it would be season two is my, my prediction. Okay, yeah, I could go for that. So here's a question. Um, you guys were talking about a more brutal uh, Boba Fett. As a person who's not quite as versed on the, uh, the lore behind uh, Boba Fett himself, 
Um, I haven't seen much of his brutal side. Um, what are the the things that he's done in the past or in in other um, in other iterations of him that make it brutal? Like, what has he done? Well, that was hinted somewhat in the original trilogy, where whenever Vader first calls uh, calls on the bounty hunters, and was that episode five, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in episode five. He very pointedly looks at Boba and says, and no disintegrations, I want them alive. Yeah, mm, that's so true. So it's a small seed of giving you the uh, lore into who he is. Yeah. And most of the like deep diving into his character has been from like the books and the comic books. For example, there's a comic book of after episode five when he had Han Solo and Carbonite on his way to Tatooine with Han Solo, he realized that there was something wrong with the Carbonite pod where it wasn't going to stay and stay as it was and it was either going to malfunction and thaw causing han to be free or it was going to malfunction and kill him before he got there Mm -hmm. and java specifically said i want him alive right and so during that he swings by another planet and has uh someone he knows work on the pod and he was like well you know you're gonna need money to repair this i need money what do you suggest? And they're like, why don't we just paint your armor black and send you into the arena and you can just take the winnings. And he went in and absolutely slaughtered everyone that he fought. Oh, yep. And it's like, he was getting like headshots from a distance. He was just like going in with like close range weapons and just destroying them. Like he was just went in and basically with ease killed everybody until he got to the final fight Mm -hmm. and at the final fight it was like it was rigged to try and like get the champion's favor because that champion had won one of the hut clans a lot of money and so they're like no we're gonna rig this final match in her favor every time and he just destroyed her to the point of he even made his own jetpack self-destruct just to cause a long enough distraction to kill her oh wow yeah he will stop at nothing to succeed yeah. Which yeah. is another aspect that I love that they're showing in this new series. Mm-hmm. Like you don't just wake up and it's sort of like pet and think, "Oh, that's how I'm gonna get out." Yeah, yeah. And he, we saw a little bit of that in the Clone Wars TV show because he was as a kid already joining a bounty hunter crew yep. and going after the Jedi and the clones and like just doing what they could to interfere with their missions and stuff. And like he gets onto a venator class star destroyer and is killing clones his own brothers who like wow. look exactly like his dad because he's he knows they're not his dad mm-hmm. and he's angry that they're working with the jedi who killed his dad and so he's just sitting there killing them like as if it was nothing and they're basically him yeah uh remind me again uh was it mace windu or or obi-wan that killed his dad mace mace it was mace windu that's what i thought but I was obi-wan had the fight with him on camino yeah and then mace windu killed him on geonosha gotcha okay yep worst take your son to work day ever yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> hope you find your dad uh- <laughs> <laughs> hey boba where's Django? he's over there and over, over there, there. <laughs> What was that other joke that you uh, said earlier? It was uh, you had a little, little off the top. Yep. <laughs> Way to go there, Caleb. <laughs> so I think that we're gonna see that brutal darker side come out in this final climactic fight because, 
like he's already got issues with the pikes mm-hmm. and it's chances are we're going to see that the pikes had some sort of connection to the biker gang killing the tuscans like he killed them while in his ship so he didn't get any questions answered which was kind of a dumb thing on his part but yeah. um chances are they're going they were involved because like the pikes are first off the pikes are like pretty brutal and don't like their business being messed with and the amount of money that they lost with the spice and the water that was on that train i'm sure was pretty exponential Mm. and having already had the deal with the biker gang they probably brought down the hammer killed a few of the biker gang and said do your job that we are paying you for yeah and so i i'm pretty convinced that the pikes were involved in some way well the other thing is it it's kind of suggesting already that the uh, the Klaatuanian bikers they're they're in league with the huts because mm-hmm. uh, that symbol that they that they keep showing them spray painting or they keep showing at the end of their of uh, Ray that they want you to think is them is Hatties for the letter K could be Klaatuanian could be something else entirely. Hmm. So. How would you find that one out? Bored. <laughs> Good old Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm curious to see what we do with this final fight because they're they've been building towards us a lot. And there's like there's some speculation online amongst others like Star Wars YouTubers and such that think that the pikes are just kind of the front men and someone else is running it behind the scenes which is definitely possible i don't agree with the theories that they're throwing out but it is definitely possible that the pikes are just in the front but at the same time the pikes were also like one of the syndicates like yeah. they were really only rivaled by the huts yep mm-hmm. and so like sure there may be someone else running pulling the strings behind the scenes but like they're also like a big group so that'd have to be someone like a crazy stature to be yeah. pulling those strings yeah and back kind of to your your disappointment of uh boba's actions of taking out those bikers i have a feeling it was more of he was taking them out knowing that he already took out the train and the bike or he was about to take out the bike bikers so no matter what he's going to get answers mm-hmm. yeah. so well, like the issue is like those bikers they're just a Tatooine desert gang, they're not going to be loyal to anyone. Right. And so but like, he could have easily level. gotten info from, well, they would have at least known, hey, we were hired by someone. Yeah. He didn't at yep. least stop to ask that. He just saw the symbol and said it was the bikers, killed them, and then act, like moved on. It's like, well, no, there's a whole lot more to this story hmm. that you just shot instead of actually asking questions. Which I will say from a story telling, uh, from a story, eh, storytelling standpoint, it's something I actually really admire the fact that they actually put in because it shows off that Boba as as cold and calculating as we've seen him in other other media outside of the original trilogy and now this show and Tale of the Mandalorian he's he he comes across as very cold and calculating he's known as a great tracker which is very logical uh expertise yeah, he's a the, hunter exactly uh-huh. But that scene right there betrays what got him into all of this to begin with. Mm-hmm. He is overcome with emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got such a strong sense of loyalty, which makes me wonder if he does have a little bit of the clone pre-genetic like, tampering to like kind of get him into this mindset of loyalty and whatnot. Because he was always super loyal to Jango, And considering he was a teenager... I'm calling crap on that. Teenagers are gonna <laughs> like argue, and he didn't argue Django. Um, but there's also just 
like just the sheer amount of loyalty he shows to people he barely knows does make me think that he's got at least a little bit of that clone preconditioning in him. I will also point out that timelines for the show, or timeline wise for the show, all the loyalty he's showing to other people is after um, having inter- interacted and been accepted, basically adopted into the uh, the Tuscan Raider mm. family. Well, like the loyalty he was showing the Tuscans was not typical for him before that. But you could argue that it was strictly because of a survival thing of, hey, this is mutually beneficial at this point. Yes, but there was being loyal and being and, and playing ball are different. True. And it's like, sure, he can play along and help them out and like uh, come to a common goal, yeah. but the sheer loyalty and that actual legitimate rage that he felt when they were killed, that is not that that's more than just a simple, okay, I'll play ball. This is mutually beneficial. I see I mean, the point. He, he definitely was was loyal to them because they saved his life. Oh, yeah. They, when they could have just killed him. Yep. So that's... And I think that has to do with a lot of what the... Um, what they're trying to do... Or what they were trying to do in those couple of episodes was to show the fact that Tuscans were not just, you know, brutal sand people. They're, they were a community. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a little bit more to it than that. I think that it depends on the tribe. Because they even commented on that in oh, yeah, episode two true. or three that some tribes turn to violence and war as a way of asserting their dominance and staying relevant, for lack of a better word. Right. And so I feel like he kind of got fortunate that that mm-hmm. tribe is the one that found him because they weren't the more vicious tribe. Whereas the tribe that found Anakin's mom, for example, not so friendly. Yeah, no. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's definitely not the nice ones. <laughs> um, but even even the ones that found boba though are they're not nice they're just a little bit less i I would argue that they are they're not the aggressor yeah they're not aggressive they in my opinion were a little bit more on the cautious side of things when they brought him in because they didn't know the guy they just found him in the middle of the desert close to a crashed hut ship Mm -hmm. it's like you see someone laying on the ground next to a crashed hut ship it's like Oh, uh, how did that get there? Why is he here? What is going on? Yeah. There is yeah. a dead Sarlacc. <laughs> yeah, Either he's the Sarlacc. with the huts, yeah. in which case, oh, bad juju. Yeah. Or he killed the huts, in which case, oh, oh bad, bad juju. juju. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I feel like that was more like a precaution on their part. Just don't know who he is, especially considering that, like, Tuscans weren't exactly liked, oh, yeah. regardless yeah. of who you were or, like, who, where you came from. Tuscans just were not liked, period. And so, like, it was in their benefit to be a little bit more on the cautious side of things, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, you also see that in the uh, uh, Rodinian that they capture with him. Because he's very much aggressive towards him, like, no, I'm getting out of here no matter what. Yeah. And he kind of has that breaking moment when they send him off to dig for the uh, the Black Melons, but past that, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're kind of happy to see him go, even if if the piece that kills him looks like bad stop motion yeah <laughs> yeah that that's another point too that was terrible that, that was not good cgi no oh. not I, not one of ilm's better moments <laughs> <laughs> no oh man like i was curious about the creature because i'd never seen it in anything lore before and i couldn't find anything on it so i was like okay well this is a new creature it looks terrible but hey, new creature. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and if they had done the CGI right, it might have been amazing. Yep. But well, who knows, like, 
considering everything they had already done with like Sarlacc Pit and some of the other stuff, maybe they had like either already used the budget or were saving the budget for what's to come. <laughs> right. Ooh, um, yeah. Because yeah, I have a feeling that like. Especially with these probably last like two or three episodes, we're gonna see some pretty crazy stuff. And like the work that they did on Black Chrysanthemum alone, yeah, took some time and well, money. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, him and then also the uh, the Rancor. Yeah, that's true. The they're, Rancor. They're gonna yeah. have a Rancor in there that <laughs> and is Papa probably Machete. gonna do some damage. <laughs> yep, I have a feeling Boba's gonna ride that into the final fight. You think? So? Yep, I can almost guarantee. And it's just and a <laughs> quick side note. Machete is now Star Wars canon. <laughs> I love it. Yep. All right. So one one other real quick, uh, just bad acting thing. <laughs> the way that Boba Fett was petting the Rancor, does anybody else get really frustrated by that? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it definitely looks like he was not touching anything, and no. they like CGI'd it after well, the fact. No, I think he was. I think it was just it was. I think it was practical effects, but it was just awkward. Well, they did just have didn't a, have any idea how to interact with it. Yeah, I did see a picture of the actor playing Boba Fett and Machete next to like a a sculpture of the Rancor head, and so it, it probably oh, okay. was actually like petting something. Yeah, but yeah, I think you're right. He just didn't know how to like actually yeah. interact with it. Yeah, like do I treat it like it's kind of softer leather, or do I treat it like it's weathered yeah. and scarred. Yeah. It's it's a rancor that was bred for fighting, so it's going to have a thick hide. Eventually. <laughs> One way or the other. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it hadn't, as far as I knew... It was a pup. That's yeah, why they yeah, had him blindfolded. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it hadn't even been... Um, hadn't seen anything yet, yeah. so it couldn't have well, been fighting. Ran- rancor already have pretty thick hides to begin with. The more yeah, they fight, the thicker the hide gets. But, like, just starting out, those are those are tough little fellas. Oh, sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the fact that Luke was able to kill one, well, says a lot about him. Sort of. Well, the door killed. <laughs> he it, trapped but... it. <laughs> he used the force. It was he was the one that's fighting. He hit the lever True. to drop the gate. Like True. he killed it. He may have used other things to do the work for him, fair. but he that's killed fair. it. Yeah. But that just more shows they're more instinctual fighters than thoughtful fighters. Yeah. Of course. Sorry. That's that's the point. That's the flag I was throwing on that one. Sorry. <laughs> that's something I did like that they kind of touched on in um, the Bad Batch was like that one episode with the baby Rancor is actually the Rancor that is at Jabba's palace in episode uh, in episode six. Oh, is it? So like that. That's actually the same Rancor, and they showed that it actually had like well, not much. It did have a level of intelligence to it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a dumb brute that didn't know what it was doing. Like it could like interact with and respond. In which yeah. case, I need to finish Bad Batch. But I was gonna say also uh, that didn't have its blinders on though, mm-hmm. so it it had it had a master. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Who, like who was its master? Was it Jabba? Or I was think it... no. I think it was the. Uh, guy that was crying in Episode Six when the Rancor died. Right. Because like since they were loyal creatures it makes sense that it, like the master would also have that emotional tie to it and so when it passes away or gets killed there, there's going to be that emotional attachment of no that was my my pet that yeah. was my <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say it, it reminds me of like 
um like aragon or something where mm-hmm. it's like a it's a rider and a dragon yeah they have that psychic connection and then like if one dies well there's also like the idea that they've <laughs> somewhat teased that omega may have at least a small level of force sensitivity and that's why she was able to bond with the rancor the way she did omega? Um, was she was the kid from bad batch oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay <clears throat> i have seen that <laughs> <laughs> Or at least most of it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they do bring up with it and like where they take it. I feel like we're going to see some Tuscans get involved and fight on Boba's side in the big fight. And I also think the female Tuscan shaman that like kind of helped train Boba, I don't think she's dead. You don't think so? I don't think so. I'm with you on they that did, one. It's the classic Star Wars thing. Did they show the body? Did they show her die? No. She's still there. That's that's kind of starting to explain why why Disney bought them because that's a lot of their mantra with a lot of their their properties. (laughs) They did very intentionally show the chief's body. Mm, Yeah. So it's like the chief is dead. Also the kid too. Yeah, and the kid is dead. They did not show her body. Yeah. So I think she's going to come back in some way, shape, or form. I think that may also be one of Boba's uh, things too is the fact that the child got killed Mm -hmm. because like he kind of bonded with it. Yeah. And like, for sure. I feel like that could be something that would be very, you know, emotional. (laughs) Yeah. Just bit. So yeah, that's, that's definitely going to play a part in it. Like I wouldn't be at all surprised if we saw the Tuscans fight with Mm -hmm. Boba. And then he kind of was like, all right, you're basically my, my combat warrior, my army spread throughout Tatooine desert. It was like, I'll call on you if needed. But he's like, basically got them going everywhere and like basically ears across the desert for him, bringing him information. I'm going to disagree slightly. I do think there's going to be future interaction for sure. I think it's probably going to be a Tuscan ambush. And then he's going to try. Well, yes, his group, little Mary Band of Rebels, they're going to start fighting back, obviously, because they attack them. That's what they've they've shown. They're more reactive than anything else right now. Mm hmm. I think what's going to happen because Boba has that uh, strong bond to uh, to the Tuscan Raiders that took him in and adopted him, he's going to try to make peace with them for that reason. What you're saying, but I don't see him encouraging further fighting with them. He's not going to fight with them. I, th- I like against them rather. I think they're going to show up and help him in this big fight because the Pikes are a huge syndicate. Oh, so he's okay. Going to need I misunderstood. To help. And so, like, I think they're going to join him in the fight against the Pikes. Yeah. And okay. then kind of, like, build that, uh, like, olive branch from there, so to speak. But Gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I am. I, I want more Black Chrysanthemum. Yes. Like, please give me more Black Chrysanthemum. He looks great. Like, I do feel like the fight with him in, what was it, episode two or three? It was three, because the Vespa gang was there. Um, I do feel like that fight was underwhelming. Because, like, he is, like, one of the most brutal characters, like, one of the few that could truly rival Boba Fett in brutality Mm -hmm. in the universe and was, like, known for being the unbeatable killer in the the arena when he was a gladiator and for him to be able to be so easily taken down by a bunch of goobers in the desert and two Gamorrean guards, (laughs) like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little... uh... A little unbelievable there. Especially um, considering like he's beaten Chewbacca, who has fought worse odds than that and come out unscathed. So yeah. like 
I mean, Chewbacca got in a fist fight with Vader and walked away. And he beat Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> and that and also we, we do, do finally see evidence of the, uh, the maxim from the original trilogy. Let the Wookiee win. Oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, well, there was a, a question I was going to ask about uh, Chrysanthemum, too. Um, uh, the scar. <laughs> Who gave him the All scar right, again? So, I'm going to go somewhat surface level, because this may be something we see in the Kenobi show. But he got the scar because he attacked Kenobi on Tatooine. Okay. While he was there watching over Luke. And like he had attacked he he was sent to hunt someone down and for Jabba the Hutt. And they thought that Luke and his uncle Owen were the ones that did it. When it which actually wasn't the case. Like they were somewhat involved, but they weren't the ones that did the deed. Mm-hmm. And so like he finds them, tracks them down, he's beating the crap out of Owen, and Obi-Wan is like, okay, no, I've got to save Owen, I don't know where Luke is, like, he's disappeared, I have to get involved. And, like, the two of them go at it, and, like, Chrysanthemum holds his own. It was only because Luke flew up in his speeder and distracted Chrysanthemum that Obi-Wan actually was able to get the upper hand and win in the end. Okay. And so, but he, that's how he got the scar across his eye, was from Obi-Wan's lightsaber. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. I I was gonna say, I I thought I heard something about that, and I wasn't sure if it was true or if I was hearing things or whatever. So that's from another that's comic book arc <laughs> okay. uh, that they did. So it's like I'm really hoping that we get to see that moment in mm-hmm. the Obi Wan show because it would make sense, like timeline wise, and like they can just do the same look of Chris Anton just without the scar, right? And be able to build that up and kind of like have that tie in. So yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah. But I will also know that there there have been a couple of retcons that they've brought in with Book of Boba that are personally kind of driving me nuts. Um, and actually, it starts with the uh, with the very pointed tip of the hat to the fans, tip of the hat or a sticking out of the tongue, one or the other, uh, <laughs> in uh, in Tale of Mandalorian season two. Of this is my chain code. My father was a Mandalorian before me. I inherited the armor, therefore I am a Mandalorian. <clears throat> Technically, by culture, dang it, he's right. Um. <laughs> but we also have that instance of one of the counselors from Mandalore saying, no, he is not a Mandalorian. We do not recognize him. We do not know where he got that armor. Right. So that's still unsolved. So it could be he's just going off what Django told him. Mm-hmm. It's off. like there, there's a... A comic book and book explanation for how Django got involved with the Mandalorians. He was on a planet that got attacked by Death Watch, and other Mandalorians rescued him and basically took them into his wing, That's kind of like yeah, like a foundling. Yeah, and that was how he like quote unquote joined the Mandalorian culture. Like that hasn't been confirmed as canon. That book is as of now been removed from canon, so we don't know if that is or not the case anymore. But if it is canon, that would be kind of the foundation of it yeah but another another point to bring into that is just understanding what what makes a mandalorian a mandalorian it's not race they've established this now fairly concretely which thank you um they've kind of brought into this the idea a little bit with season one of mandalorian of pointing out no no no. you understand the culture you abide by the rules you learn our language you're part of the family congratulations well that also i think depends on 
the side of the spectrum you're on because the foundlings identify each other as Mandalorian, whereas um, Bo-Katan and the Night Owl chick, I don't remember her name, Sasha Banks, for those of you wrestling fans, um, <laughs> those two like say you're not one of us you're just one of the foundlings and they don't actually call him a mandalorian they say you are a foundling and even with boba fett they're like no i know your voice from the clone wars you're not a true mandalorian you're a clone yeah but if you think about it though neither are they because they took oh no because they were those two are they were born and raised mandalore yeah, yep. I was I was going off of the fact that they took their helmets off, but it was uh, that's a that's more thing. like the a sect deal where it's that's kind of like a, okay. A, this group says it's yeah. okay. Others groups say no, no, no. You identify as your armor. That yeah. was that was the defining moment when they sat down at the table and all took their hands off, and he immediately got defensive. Like, what are you doing? They're like, oh crap, he's one of those. Yeah. Kind of, so so it's the foundlings that can't take their helmets off. The foundlings that believe it's, they're not supposed to. Well, okay, there's they, more they, to that. They. Because they can take their helmets off if they're on their own and they choose to do so. But the whole thing is like you don't lose in combat and have your helmet taken off. You don't take your helmet off in front of someone unworthy. Those are kind of like the uh, you don't take your helmet off in front of another person, which is kind of the workaround that we got with IG at the end of season one is just like I can't take my helmet off in front of another person. I can't take my helmet off to someone that hasn't beat me in combat. And he was like, well. I'm not a person. We're not fighting. I'm helping you. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Right. Well, then also, if you <clears throat> dig deeper into the Mandalorian Lauren, you are right. But that also adds a bit more weight to when he finally takes his helmet off in front of Grogu. Mm-hmm. It's saying, you fought well. You, you're the one who carried us. Yeah. You're, the one, you're the only reason why I now have my sigil. You're the only reason why I'm actually out here with purpose. Yeah. You are worthy, little one. It also <laughs> yeah. shows the, like... His dedication to save Grogu when he took it off in season two for the Imperial scan. Yeah. Yep. But um, the other point I was going to make with the Foundlings, the Foundlings were picked up by both groups. Mm-hmm. The, uh, by the proper Mandalorians, they would pick them up and say, okay, here's our culture, take them back to Mandalore if they could, depending on when we are in the timeline. And in the case of Bo-Katan, they're a bit more relaxed about it, especially off-world. Uh, whereas with um, the remnants of Death Watch, they are very no. We are Mandalore. Period. Yeah, and like Death Watch believes that they are the true Mandalorians, and everyone else is just pretenders right. trying to take that claim. Which and is like, why their rules are so much more strict. Yeah. Mm. Well, and like the Foundlings aren't even directly connected to Death Watch. Like they do have like bits and pieces of Death Watch that they're using, like with the helmet rule and such, but. Like, the Death Watch was its own uh, sect of Mandalorians that, especially during the Maul era, mm-hmm. they all followed Maul, and once the Maul, once Maul got overthrown, they just scattered, because they're like, we are outnumbered heavily, we cannot win this fight without Maul, it's time to go. Yeah, which is when you have those different remnants of the Death Watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, my, my running theory right now is that... Um, I can't remember the character's name, but... Um, Din Djarin? No. Uh, the blacksmith. Oh, the armorer. Yeah, the armorer. Thank you. Yeah, Wrong synonym. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so whenever the armorer is, is talking to him, she's speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. It sounds, if I had to guess, 
she's one of the Remnant of Death Watch from Maul's era. Could be. She doesn't have that. She's not as gruff as you would suspect. Yeah. But she's also, if that is the case, I could easily see how they work in, in lore of her saying, okay, she's taking in these scared kids now. Yeah. So she's raising them as best she knows how, but that's going to pay, that's going to rub off on her too. Yeah. And that's going to make her a little bit softer. Yeah. That's my running theory could be completely off base. I think she's supposed to be a bit younger, like closer to Din Djarin's age. And so oh, I don't okay. know if she would have actually been around the same Death Watch group. She may have been raised by a Death Watch person. Which would also explain it. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair. Anyway. I'm curious to see if we see Boba Fett show up in Season 3 Mandalorian and he helps Din Djarin take back Mandalore from the Empire. Because I'm pretty confident that's what we're going to see in Season 3. Because they've been teasing it, with, especially with him having the Darksaber now. Like, we're building to a Mandalore war. But is Boba Fett going to be involved or is he going to stay on Tatooine and be like, I don't care about your measly problems. This is my planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But that actually brings me back to another one of the retcons, though, <clears throat> is the armor. In this last episode of uh, Book of Boba Fett, uh, for those at home, it's episode four. Um, there's one line in the episode that kind of is a major retcon mm-hmm. um, where Boba and Finnick are sitting in Slave One, or pardon, sorry, we have to be Disney safe, in Boba's starship. Um, <laughs> I do not recognize that title. It is Slave <laughs> Nor does the actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, they're, oh, they're hanging over the Sarlacc pit. And she says, how, how in the world did you even survive? That, that armor is the only thing that saved you. It's gone now. She says, no, not... Beskar. Either he sincerely believes it's Beskar, unlikely since at this point he's already interacted with 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 uh, with Jin Djarin. so he's seen what real Beskar can do. Well, in his defense, Durasteel is very durable, and it can deflect blaster shots. He's never actually been hit by a lightsaber to test that side of it out. Fair, but throughout. Up to this point, it has been fairly concretely noted that Django's armor is Durasteel. Mm-hmm. It's the dent in, in the helmet. Mm. Now, you may know this better than I do, Caleb, because I, I still don't know if they've actually addressed where the dent comes from. I don't believe so. I think that was one of the conflicts that happened... Post Django, because it wasn't dented when Django had it. Right. Um, let me do a quick Google. <laughs> <laughs> While he's doing that, Dan, any other questions? <laughs> oh. What is the Death Watch? So the Death Watch was a um, contingency group set up by uh, Darth Maul to try to bring Mandalore, uh, Mandalore back to its original fighting force. They were known as Jedi Hunters. Okay. Um, more than anything else. They were known as a warring tribe. Oh, you've got that look. Keep going. Okay. I'm going to touch on that in a second. <laughs> um, so they were known as a warring peoples. Um, we're even taking from Boba Fett, since that is the main topic tonight. Yes. Um, the, the, the symbol or the sigil of Boba Fett 
is a mythosaur skull. Uh, the, the Mandalorians were known for, A, being one of the few people groups who would go after a mythosaur. Mm-hmm. And two, they were also known for hunting them to extinction. Oh, wow. Um, hence the skull. Hence the skull. <laughs> um, but so that is kind of his claim of no, no, no. I am what I say I am. I am a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, but further into that, and could really geek out on the Mandalorian history here. Um, it's I completely forgot. I lost a train of thought. Sorry, scatterbrained. <laughs> they were a very brutal, war-driven society. Like they were basically every conflict throughout the history they were involved in some way shape or form like, yeah originally like during the days of revan they were fighting against the republic and they were pushing back had revan not joined the fight and taken a hundred or so jedi that said no this is stupid we're losing we have to do something the republic would have lost plain yep. and simple because mm-hmm. they were well past the outer rims, getting into the inner rim, making a strong beeline for Coruscant, like, ha we're coming for your planet, guys. And it was they were going to get it had the Jedi not gotten involved. And had the Jedi waited until the Mandalorians invaded the planet, it would have been too late. Yeah. And so that's why Revan took up the fight and became a general for the Republic, and he was the deciding factor in pushing back the Mandalorians. Oh, wow. Let's just put it this way, to paint an analogy, especially for any history buffs out there. The Mandalorians in the Star Wars universe are the equivalent of the Hessians from um, uh, from the Renaissance mm-hmm. to uh, the uh, the events that kicked off World War One. Yeah, oh, wow. the Mandalorians were so skilled at fighting and killing people that were supposed to be unkillable that they started using physical rounds in their guns instead of the blaster bolts because the physical rounds passed through lightsabers and hit Jedi. Yep. And so they're like, oh, you can't deflect a bullet? Slug slingers. Cool. Or slug here's slingers. A yeah. A slug slinger. Yeah. Here's a slug slinger. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did not even know that was a thing. So, to more directly answer your question of who were, who, who are the Death Watch, um, at that point in time, whenever, um, whenever Darth Maul comes back, gets stitched back together, um, similar to. Just had a realization. Anyway, sorry. Similar to how Finnick is in, in this latest episode. Um, it's uh, his his goal is to try to reclaim a people's. Mm-hmm. So he can't because he was a slave before he was taken in as, as Palpatine's uh, uh, Padawan as a Sith. He would he was a slave. Mm-hmm. Now we don't know. Well, maybe it is common in lore. I don't know. Um, he could have fought his way out. Dothrakians uh, were known for not Dothrakians, wrong series. <laughs> Help me out here. Oh. Uh, point being, the males of his race have been known to occasionally try to overthrow and escape. Um, so I'm sorry, my brain totally shut off. Who are you talking about again? Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Okay. Yes. All right. Sorry. <laughs> well, I've I've been ranting and anyway. <laughs> no, no. It just for some reason I totally missed just. Dothamirian. The fact that we're talking about mm-hmm. him. Dothamirian. Dothamirian, thank you. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Dothamirian male, males have been known to try to rebel against the Night Sisters and, and the Night Coven, depending on where you are. They've never again. been yeah. very successful because the Night Sisters did have the magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that was really the only reason they were able to control it. Because as when it came down to like just a face to face fight, the Dothmirians were significantly stronger. Oh yeah, they were like 
monsters. And that was why Maul stood out so much is because he was hired to be an assassin under Plagueis's approval and just absolutely dominated. Then when it was shown that he actually had force sensitivity too, it was just like, ooh, this is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But going back to that, this is after he's been cut in half. So he's practically other. He's technically no longer a Sith. Um, sorry, that is apparently now EU canon, not Legends. The new canon is that he was a dark side unaligned force user. Okay. There you go. Which yeah. is ridiculous. Yep. But it, it's stupid. Anyway. <laughs> he's still a Sith. He's just not a recognized Sith. At that yeah. Point. So at this point, he's trying to regain power and claim for himself. And well, so he goes and takes a very discontented contingent of uh, Mandalorians who, at that point in time, the Mandalorians, this is right towards the tail end of Clone Wars, mm -hmm. the Mandalorians at this point are practically pacifists. Mm -hmm. They're saying, okay, we've done the war thing. Let's try the, uh, let's try the politics thing. It, it, the Mandalorians weren't pacifists. The ruler, Sabine, True. or Satine, rather, she was pacifist. Yes. Which hopefully we'll see more the of in the, in the Obi-Wan show. <laughs> she was the one that chose to keep Mandalorian, the Mandalorians out of the war because she was the ruler of Mandalore at the time. True. And that was why the Night's Watch joined, or Night's Watch, the uh, Death, Death Watch. Watch joined Maul because they're like, no, we want to shoot things. Why are we sitting here being peaceful? No, that's not what we are. Yeah. We have armor. We, let's, like, well, even we like her own sister, Bo-Katan, was not entirely on board with the peace thing. She just did it because her sister was the ruler and was like, I don't agree, but you're my sister, so I will support you. And then when her sister got killed, she's like, cool, I'm hurting people now. <laughs> oh. Yeah, pretty much. So anyway, you did your digging. I did my digging. What did you so find? Dent from Boba Fett's helmet comes from a unused Clone Wars arc when he had an old Western-style shoot-off with Cad Bane. Oh. oh! Yeah. Which I didn't even realize that was a thing since it was an unused story arc from Clone Wars. So they had this old Western shoot-off. Cad Bane got the helmet, left the dent, and Cad Bane's obviously still alive, but... Jeez. Yeah. He's hoping we see Cad Bane soon. <laughs> it's possible that Cad Bane shows up working with the Pikes. Could be. Now I have a you... feeling that we're going to see a number of bounty hunters. This is purely just me wanting this as a fan <laughs> and not anything that has led me to believe it. But I feel like we're going to end up seeing Bosk and we're going to see Cad Bane. Because if Black Chrysanthemum's on Boba Fett's side, what can rival a Wookiee? A Trendocean. <laughs> and... Nope. Bosk and Black Chrysanthemum have one heck of a rivalry going yes, back. So. They do. Bosk is the, like the lizard-looking one. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and frankly, part of the reason why the Trandoshans made really good bounty hunters wasn't so much because they were tough. They were, but mainly because they regenerated. Yeah, because Chewie tore off Bosk's arms, and he was able to regrow them. And like Bosk was a an exception because he regenerated significantly faster than most Trandoshans. Uh -huh. All of them can regenerate, but he was pretty close to, oh, there's my arm. Just kidding. It's back. Like, so, all right, real quick, that last episode where, uh, Chrysanthemum was mm -hmm. fighting. And the Trandoshans. Yeah. Trandoshans. Yeah. That was that 
something where he saw them and saw Bosk? Very possibly. Because be. the Wookiees and Trandoshans have a heck of a rivalry. And like a lot of Trandoshans went around hunting Wookiees that were off Kashyyyk and selling them into slavery. Oh, so, I did not think about this, that at all until you mentioned is, it. This is something I did not know about that scene. Yeah. That got me excited. <sighs> yeah. <And> it's it's possible <laughs> yeah. that like those Trandoshans are gonna be either know who Bosk is or possibly have a connection to him. I reach out to him and be like, there's a big Wookiee over here kicking our butt. We need some help. Yeah. <laughs> so oh my goodness. Okay. Now I'm just excited for where the season's going. Yeah. It's like I'm <laughs> hoping not to get your hopes up because if these things don't happen, I don't want y'all to turn to me and be like, what the heck? What the-? <laughs> this is like, this is just me. I being- can dream, Caleb. <laughs> this is me being a nerd, and these are the things I want to see. I have no confirmation that any of this is going to happen. Yeah. But knowing how, how geeky we are <laughs> as a group. Like that just like made my my excitement. And for considering the show, how go, much more of a nerd Dave Filoni is, chances are he's gonna have thought about all of the cool possibilities that we can do in this show. So oh, oh yeah. Because like, if we think we're nerdy, Dave Filoni can probably take all three of our nerdiness combined and still beat it. So <laughs> <laughs> hmm, maybe we should have him on the show. Yeah, we're not. Doing no, this. no, that's <laughs> doubtful. That would be. We we a, could wish like. The good Lord above is the only way that one's going to happen. <laughs> That's our Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh... <laughs> Quick, why don't you go back in time and get cancer? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's not fair. We'll draw straws. <laughs> I, I'm hopeful that we'll see these other bounty hunters, especially Bosk and Cad Bane. Like, if we see them, that'd be great. Yeah. Time will tell, but... I mean, the, just the things I've heard about uh, Book of Boba and, like, the the cameos, or maybe not cameos, but, like, um, the characters that they were, mm. not specific characters, but the fact that they were trying to get more famous characters on that show, I can't imagine them doing something less so mm. than that. You know? And especially, like... They're kind of doing that member berries and bringing back that nostalgia with things like we've seen Bosk in canon on episode five very briefly, an old CGI. So modern CGI slash modern costuming would look really cool to see what they do there. But we already know Cad Bane. Not only does he have this connection with Boba Fett from their duel, he has a long standing rivalry with Fennec Shan. Going back to Clone Wars. Yep. Okay. And so Cad Bane does not like either of them. If the Pikes say, hey, two of the most hated people in your book are here, he's probably going to be like, I'll get the money later. I'm on the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think just seeing him in like in live action would mm-hmm. just be like, what? I would yeah, that would be awesome. Him. I hope that they bring back the voice actor from... Clone Wars and Bad Batch because yes. that voice is Cad Bane. Yes. They can't change the voice. They have to do that voice. Yep. Even even in uh, I can't remember which game project it was where they did have him show up in the trailer. Was that it was 13, still the, his voice? Yes. <sighs> please bring that back. Please. Yes. Somebody please pick up the rights and please. whatever well, now evidence that of that game EA exists. doesn't have soul rights. 
please, for the love of all that's holy, bring that game back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, which game was that again? Star Wars 1313. It was based around a bounty hunter that was going to be on the lower levels of Coruscant, where it's like basically the underworld going on a mission and and like trying to like gather people and arrest them and stuff. And like there was only one teaser trailer that was released at E3 in the what? 2017 before that that long ago that was like i guess 2015 2016 i think so yeah and that was before ea got the right the exclusivity rights to it and then of course did absolutely nothing with star wars because ea but (laughs) how do you really feel (laughs) that would be a whole hour long podcast (laughs) Uh, well at least we're not going a whole lot of uh uh, censoring uh, censoring yeah (laughs) lots of censoring (laughs) and discussing ea for sure the studio that did Jedi Fallen Order, love them. Outside of that, you've yet to prove yourselves, EA. Yes. <laughs> Wait, who's doing the Star, uh, the Lego Star Wars? TT Games. Yep. Okay. They're the All only right. studio that does the Lego games. So oh, okay. EA can get away. <laughs> <laughs> There's another podcast episode. Is just oh. I can go. I have dove so deep down the rabbit hole on the Lego Star Wars game. Won't go there because that'll be a long conversation. Uh, but yeah, that like bringing in Cad Bane would make so much sense, and having the Cad Bane voice, like yes. if you want to oh, get fans yes. that are divided on Book of Boba back on board, bring in Cad Bane. Bring in with Cad that Bane voice, and we'll potentially bring in Bosk. Yeah, you bring in those two characters. They don't care what episode three was. They're just going to point to the episode those two showed up. Yeah. Yep. And considering the fact that they they had Ming-Na Wen do the voice in Bad Batch. Oh, was it Bad Batch? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, it's very possible that if they do well, Cad Bane, they'll get the voice. The difference is, like, she was already established in the live-action universe before Fennec Shan showed up in Bad Batch. Because she was in Mandalorian season one and two. Right. And then they did Bad Batch. And so, like, Fennec Shan was already an established character live action. Yeah. And so it's like, sure, they, 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 and the act, the voice actors would be more than willing, I'm sure. It's like making it match up and sync and having like a physical actor mouthing things, whereas the voice actor is going kind of an avatar thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the tricky part is. Yeah. I was going to say the, the thing about it is, is that, like, the way Disney does things, they could have easily gotten some other voice to do Fennec. Mm-hmm. And probably would have been close to, if not. Disney, yes. This is Filoni that's in charge of Bad Batch. And Filoni is all about that consistency and right. that continuity. But. Well, that's what I'm saying. Filoni though, is like... just. He's not working directly on Mandalorian and, and Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. That's John Favreau, who also. Is big on the, and that continuity. Yeah, yeah. Like Favreau is big on the continuity as well, so I can see him like saying, "No, we need that voice actor to make it really work." But I could also see Filoni be like, "You're using the character I created. Move out my way. We're doing this." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, who knows? <laughs> um. But yeah, I think that's good note to leave it on. Um. Please, Cad Bane. Please, boss. Yes. Yeah. I, I would be so stoked. For More that. so the former. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we will wrap it up here. Um, I think that was a good place to leave it. Um, was there anything else? 
Okay. All right. Well, have a good one, guys, and we will see you next time. May the force be with you. Ah. <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys.